Well, hello and welcome to the Calder's Calling podcast. This is AHL News Now's flagship podcast and your ultimate podcasting destination for everything American Hockey League. We're excited to welcome you to episode number one and invite you to join us throughout this entire 2023-24 season as we're going to be diving deep into the heart and soul of the AHL where honestly future NHL stars are born and the passion for hockey runs just as deep as the ice itself. Now before we get started here with this inaugural episode and kind of a season primer for the 2023-24 season. I do want to thank our show sponsor, Document Doctors. When they're not also on the ice, they can help you and your businesses optimize and increase your revenue and profits to a bigger slice. Go check out documentdoctorsllc.com. And don't forget to mention that AHL News Now sent you to them. So now I'd like to have my three co-hosts here introduce themselves so you can get to know us just a little bit better, find out who these experts behind the podcast are. To make it easy, we're going to go in alphabetical order. That means, Corey, you're up first. Oh, thanks, Dina. Well, my name is Corey Swartz. Uh, this is my seventh year covering the Hershey Bears and I also moonlight as, you know, cover for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms at times here since uh, they are within the division and close. And, you know, my lifelong second team is the Philadelphia Flyers. So um, tends to be tends to work out pretty well. So I'm excited to be here, excited to be talking about the AHL. I'm just excited hockey's back, man. It feels like although it was only been a couple months, really, it feels like it's been an eternity to me. So very happy to get going here this weekend. Uh, I'm Jay Foster. I have been covering hockey for about a decade now, uh, which is horrifying and scary. Uh, I, For the last three years, I have been doing Locked on Blue Jackets as the solo host. Uh, I am now one half of Locked on Blue Jackets. This is my first year covering the Barracuda, but the Sharks are my uh, my team-in-law, I always say, because they are my uh, my partner's team. So they are my team-in-law. My name is Xander Manning. Um to be fair, first of all, I want to address Corey. It's only been a few months for you because you guys won the Calder Cup, obviously. But um, I I cover the Springfield Thunderbirds and the Hartford Wolfpack. I have been covering the Thunderbirds for the past, I want to say, three years, two, three years, somewhere around there. I also worked for the Thunderbirds for a season during the season. They hosted the All-Star Game, so I am intimately familiar with them and Despite all of that, my team at heart is the Boston Bruins. It's kind of a conflict internally when I'm covering the Wolfpack, but I try to keep my professional integrity intact. And I am Dina Weinheimer. I am the founder of AHL News Now and your resident Cleveland Monsters reporter. I've been covering the Monsters since the 2019-2020 season. So that's five seasons now. I can't believe it's been that long, but... Um, yeah, I'm down in central Ohio, so it's a nice two-hour jaunt up I-71 for me to go cover your Cleveland Monsters. Um, Xander, I feel you on the whole, um, you know, for Corey, it's only been a couple months as I shed a tear in honor of the one single point that Cleveland needed to make the playoffs and they failed to make despite literally everything. Well, what happened I, to them? Yep. I well, of course, my wolf pack that I cover were defeated by those bears. So, ouch, a bit unfortunate ouch. there. But and of course, the wolf pack were defeated by the Thunderbirds. So I I was in a lot of pain last playoffs. Let's just say that. At least you lost to the eventual champion. I mean, that's some sort it, of that's some sort of consolation prize, I guess. And they made it to the finals the season before, so it's it's more than a lot of teams can say. Yes, that is that is true. I'll give you that. All right. So now that you get to know who everyone is, we're going to go ahead and start this off. Normally, we're going to you know give you some three stars of the week, you know, do some more deep dives into this. But this show is going to be a little bit different um, because if we were to truly cover all the news that's going on, we'll be here until 
the puck drops on the season and well after that. So we're going to get you with some quick hits today. We're going to talk about some big uh, news issues. You know, of course, the Bears winning the cup last season to kind of talk about the history that was behind that. We're also going to be talking about the Chicago Wolves, spending a little bit of time talking about uh, specialty jerseys and special theme nights like that in the AHL. Be talking about goaltending this season. And also we have a very special guest that's going to be covering a lot of really hot button issues across the American hockey league with president and CEO of the AHL, Scott Housen, is joining us later on in the show to welcome Calder's Calling to the AHL podcasting space. So let's go ahead and get to started off with some quick hits here. First off, we talked about how the future stars of the NHL are born in the AHL. So I want to know, what prospect are you most excited about on your beat team? There's a few guys that I'm looking forward to. Some mostly they're coming back. Um, I'll I'll just do it by position. I'm mostly looking forward to seeing more of Matthew Pekka this year with the Thunderbirds. He didn't play a, a ton with the Thunderbirds last year. He had some injury issues. Uh, I'm looking to see a lot more out of him offensively. And I talked to Drew Bannister today um, about Matthew Pekka. He said he's excited to see more out of him this year. And I did, he didn't exactly say it out loud, but it sounds like he's leaning towards him being at least a captain kind of role this season. Um, I'm looking forward to Matthew Kessel on defense for the Thunderbirds. And in goal, it's anybody's game there. But what I really want to see is if Adam Jarenko really step, step it up this season with Joel Hofer going up to the NHL. And with, with the Wolfpack, I'm looking at Johnny Brodzinski. Had a chance to make the NHL roster with the Rangers this year. For some reason, he was sent down to Hartford. Should definitely step it up this year. On the defense, you could look at anybody on there. I, I don't have one guy I could point out to you specifically. In goal, I'm looking at Louis Domingue. Had some big numbers last year, and I'm looking for him to put up even bigger numbers this year and maybe even run the table in the East. So for me in Cleveland, I mean, in my opinion, they have got the run of the mill when it like a really good amount of high level prospects in this Columbus Blue Jacket system. Um, I've talked about it before. You'll continue to hear me talk about Trafix Wolanski. This is really a big make or break season for him. He was leading the team last year in practically all good production categories. He's high up in the AHL in those marks too. However, in terms of brand new prospects on the forward group, watch out for James Malatesta and Luca Del Belbeluz. They're both coming into their very first professional season, huge point getters in juniors. And I don't know with some of the, the big guns are surrounding them they could have a true statement year. I won't say they're going to challenge for uh, rookie of the year nods, but you never know. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I'll switch over to the Hershey Bears a little bit here, I guess. Um, the big change for the Bears is that, you know, a lot of their championship team is gone, but it's been replaced by young players. Xander, you mentioned Joel Hofer. The Bears now have their own Hofer and his brother Ryan Hofer, who's one of the most intriguing prospects to me to watch. Uh, not exactly the highest draft pick, but he was, he lit it up in his last year of juniors. Uh, his team went all the way to the Memorial cup and lost, but um, you know, he was very good at scoring goals. He had a nice uh, penalty, shorthanded penalty shot goal in Hershey's preseason finale on Sunday. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he can do on a full-time basis. I mean, the Bears have a good mixture of some some veterans and some, you know, younger talent. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, we don't know right now um, if Ivan Miroshinchenko is going to be in Hershey. All signs seem to be pointing towards yes, I hope. Um, and if so, that's a difference maker for the Bears. He's a very strong young player. Was very impressed with what he did at the NHL level this preseason you know, it. you always wonder how long it's going to take a young kid, especially when coming from overseas, to kind of conquer the 
um, the professional ranks like that. And he seems well on his way to accomplishing that. Uh, I'm going to keep this short and sweet, I think. Uh, Daniil Gushin was a monster for the Barracuda last season, and I'm putting the over-under on goals for him this season at 35. Uh, I think he is going to be, with with Eklund and Bordelow going up to the big club and probably staying there, I think Gushin is going to be the guy for the Barracuda, which is super exciting. Uh, he's such a fun player. Um, and I'm going to throw Magnus Kroner in as well, who is, uh, I believe, in his first uh, North American pro season for the Barracuda, and uh, I think he's going to be the starting goalie for them by the end of the season. Okay, so now that we talked about the prospects and some of the real young players that are coming into this league, into their pro careers, I'm going to completely flip it to the other side here. We had several big names, real long-term AHL players that ended up retiring since the last season. So I want to know, what player that has retired since last season are you going to miss the most? And honestly, I'll go first with this one, and I'm going to keep it with the Cleveland Monsters and say Captain Dylan Simpson. He accepted an associate coach role at his alma mater, the University of North Dakota. If you want to learn more about the retirement in his words, go check out ahlnewsnow.com where Dylan very graciously sat down with me to talk about his decision and what playing in Cleveland and in the AHL so long meant for him. But I'm going to miss him around the locker room. I don't know any other player that was as versatile as he was. Yes, he was, you know, first, second pair defenseman, but more often than the Monsters would have liked, they also utilized him as a third or fourth uh, line forward. So his leadership's going to be missed. I'll miss talking about talking about him and talking with him. But yeah, I wish him all the best in retirement, and I hope his new team up at UND does well. I'm the same way with the captain. I'm going to miss Tommy Cross in Springfield. Obviously a big loss. I also talked to... Drew Bannister about him and his vocal leadership as well as his leadership on the ice. Um, what he, he also said it was an unfortunate ending to his career since he only played, what, 20 games last season for the T-Birds. So he really didn't get a last season with the Thunderbirds, um, although he was the captain. So obviously you're going to miss that leadership in Springfield. But taking it away from Springfield, not even with the Wolfpack, Overall in the AHL, you're gonna you're also gonna be missing Paul Thompson this season. Paul Thompson just retired himself. Obviously, the last team he played for was the Bridgeport Islanders, but he wasn't necessarily like your prototypical leader. But he would fire the guys up on the bench. He'd fire the guys up in the locker room, tell them to get their crap together, for lack of a better word, and tell them, "Hey, we might be losing four to one." But you know what? We still got 20 minutes of hockey left to play. We can still win this game no matter what. And he's definitely going to be missed around the league. Yeah, I guess I'll keep in the trend of uh, going with captains that are retiring here. Nothing hit me harder than seeing Garrett Mitchell retiring uh, over the summer. Just, uh, you know, it's obviously been a few years since he last played for the Bears in uh, 2018, I believe it would have been. But you know, he's been, you know, the captain of the the Rockford Ice Hogs for a few seasons now since he departed Hershey. And you know, just a, a great guy and a great leader. I mean, one of the big moments for me when I started covering the Bears was when he got called up at the end of the year for his first bit of NHL time with with the Capitals and obviously the 2016 run with the Bears was, you know, the pinnacle of his time in Hershey really. Just a great guy, a great leader, you know. It was always funny reading his uh his I believe it was his retirement remarks where he said, you know, he said to the players I played against, I'm promise I'm not that bad of a person off the ice and, you know, kind of apologize for all the, you know, the, the grief he must've caused them over the years. And, you know, he's a great guy. He lives in Hershey, still has a house there, I believe. So hopefully we'll be seeing him around the rink here, um, you know, in Hershey. I'm really hoping they find a way to honor him at some point in the future here. Uh, I'm actually going to be really boring because uh, I'm also going to say Dylan Simpson. Uh, my first love is the Blue Jacket and uh, the Cleveland Monsters. And uh, yeah, he was just, he was just so much fun all of the time. Um, and I think Cleveland's really going to miss him more than, more than I think they realize yet. 
All right. And we do have two fan questions. So thank you to everyone that follows us on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at AHL News Now. Uh, we asked for your input. We had a couple people respond. So first of all, I'm going to change this question just a little bit so we can all answer. But this one is from at CBJ. 50 Robinson Robinson's renegades, a good friend of mine, but he's asking quote two part question. How excited are you? If you are Trent Vogel Huber right now, head coach of the Cleveland monsters, he has nice roster with some big name prospects. With that said, who's someone that's flying under the radar. That's going to break out for the Cleveland monsters. I think for several of us here on the, on the podcast, we could say that about, all of you know, almost all of our B teams. So basically, the question is, how excited are you if your B teams head coach about honestly some of these great rosters that are coming up in the American Hockey League, and who's the under the radar player for your team? Specifically talking about the Monsters, if you're Trent Vogel Huber, you are very happy right now. You know, you have 18 forwards, nine defensemen. You would like to have another goalie. They have two right now. But as far as under the radar players, I'm actually going to be looking into the depth of the defensemen and Ole Julian Bjorgvik home. In his very first pro season, it was that shortened COVID season where his junior league team didn't play. He, you know, so he was able to play in the AHL, had to go back to juniors. Now he's in his second full pro season. I got to see him this past weekend at training camp. And honestly, he looks like he's gotten stronger, was a step ahead of some really experienced players here. And I could see him being sneaky good on defense and maybe trying to vie for a regular starting role. Uh, I am also going to go with depth. Uh, I have a couple of options here, uh, but I was going to go for um, Shakir Mukamadoulin, who came over in the Timo Meyer trade uh, this this past trade deadline. But I'm actually going to go with a guy that's been in the system for a little bit, and that's Ozzy Weisblatt, uh, who spent some time in the ECHL last season is kind of a forgotten man because he came in the same draft that Thomas Bordalo and Tristan Robbins and Daniel Gushin came in and he's kind of been passed over by a lot of those guys but I love this kid he is a Tasmanian devil of like energy on the ice he does a little bit of everything um he is he skates at 100 miles an hour or zero um, there's really no in between. He's a he's a ton of fun, and he's got a really good opportunity this season with you know your big names like Eklund, um, Bordalo going up to the big leagues. I think he's got a real good opportunity to carve out a uh, a role in the top six of the Barracuda this season. For me personally, I I got two people that I'm taking a look at in both of my teams that I cover up. First of all, for the Wolfpack, I'm looking at Brett Burrard this year. For the Wolfpack, he only played in three games last season, but I saw him play in the first preseason game against the Thunderbirds this season. He looks like he's put on a lot of speed this season. He looks like that he's got the goal scoring ability. And not to mention, he, he did get a chance in that shootout win for the Wolfpack, but he was denied. But he doesn't look like he's going to be denied very much this season. Um, another guy I'm looking at, this for the Thunderbirds, I'm looking at Matthias Laferriere. He throw, he's showed some promise in, last, in the past few seasons, and he hasn't exactly put up the numbers, but it's really it's his intangibles that I look at and I say, you know what, this guy's got a good good potential. He's going to do something right because he makes the passes. He gets to the open space. Maybe he doesn't get the results, but maybe this is the year that he finds the back of the net a little bit more. Yeah, I'll, I'll toss for a couple Bears players that I'm looking forward to seeing. Alex Limoges was a player that I was particularly excited about. It's a little bit of a homecoming for him to be in Hershey, you know, playing in the Washington Capitals system. He's a Virginia native, so it's, you know, as close as he's going to get to his hometown, you know, playing in Hershey. And obviously, if he plays well, getting up to the Washington Capitals. Um Penn State alumni, which obviously goes a long way with Hershey being in central Pennsylvania here. Everybody loves that connection here. It'd be the first time a Bears player, you know, a Penn State alumni would play for the Bears type of thing. So that's also very exciting to see. But he's an exciting player. He has had very solid production 
playing on some, you know, average teams, I would probably say. So it's going to go a long way towards replenishing a lot of the offense that was lost for the Bears over the summer. You know, there's a, a I think, an underrated amount of players that departed over the summer, but the Bears have kind of, and the Capitals have gone out of their way to kind of get some guys that will replace that and arguably make them stronger offensively than they were a season ago. And on the back end, I'm going to just want to shout out one guy that I was very impressed with during training camp, training camp and that is Nikki Lieberman, who kind of came in as an unknown, a rookie defenseman, you know, right out of college. He's coming in here. He's been very impressive with the, um, you know, with his skating ability, his puck handling. The Bears have some depth. You know, someone can earn a spot on defense depth-wise. That's going to be very important. And I'm excited to see him kind of grab that opportunity by the horns. Final question. This one actually coming from my husband, Gary Weinheimer, at GPWCBJ. He wants to know, what or who do you expect to be the league's biggest surprises, either positive or negative? I'm just going to start by saying that's a loaded question, but I don't have an answer yet. Uh, I'm actually going to go with my own team for this. I think the Barracuda are going to surprise a lot of people. Um, They improved massively last season over the season before. Um, they, yeah, they lost a couple of names, but they've gained a couple of other names. I think they're going to be better in goaltending. Um, they'll probably score a few, fewer goals. Um, but I think they've improved on defense. I, uh, and I think having kind of the core for the most part together for a second season, I think it's going to, I, I'm expecting them to make the playoffs, but I don't think many people are. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and be a little bit of a homer and say that the Barracuda are going to be a surprise in a good way. I'm going to be a homer as well. I'm going to go with the Thunderbirds. I think they're going to surprise some people as well. And I think the goaltending is what's going to surprise people this season because a lot of people are looking at them and saying, well, you just lost Joel Hofer. He started 80% of your games last season. What are you going to do? Well, what did they do? They got Malcolm Subban from Buffalo. And Malcolm Subban, a lot of people say, oh, well, hasn't been able to stick in the NHL, hasn't been able to stick anywhere in the AHL. Well, I think he's due. I think he's due to stick somewhere. And maybe if he splits a little bit of time with Jarenko, maybe he splits a little time with somebody else, lightens the load a little bit, a little bit less pressure for him, that'll be a good thing for him. And I think the goaltending is really going to be what holds the glue together for the Thunderbirds and keeps them maybe not as the top seed in the East or even in the Atlantic for that matter, but just holds them together and really is the glue that keeps this team in contention this season i'm gonna go and be a homer as well a little bit but not in one the one you're expecting we already know the hershey bears are probably going to be pretty good this season i hope but i'm gonna say the lehigh valley phantoms maybe this is just the early season optimism of a philadelphia flyers fan in me that has uh, gone awry the last couple of years but i want to believe that this year is going to be completely different for the orange and black from top to bottom and with the Phantoms, it's an interesting situation because, you know, they're in, you know, the Flyers are still, you know, kind of feeding off of the Phantoms, right? Like there's a lot of opportunity to go from Lehigh Valley to Philadelphia this season, just because, you know, there's still a lot of prospects down there. You know, there's a lot of competition, but I think it's all going to be a good thing. And, you know, the Phantoms are coming off of making it back to the playoffs. They obviously have the sting of not even getting a home game in the play-in round with um, losing to the, you know, Charlotte Checkers and a bit of a heartbreaker there. I want to say it's the beginning of good things to come in Lehigh Valley. It's their 10th season since they moved to Allentown. I feel extremely old saying that because I remember the very first year that they moved there. Like it was, you know, only a couple of years ago at this point. So um, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting out there to a couple of games this season and, you know, seeing the Flyers franchise on the rise. And that is just the optimist in me. And for me, I can't say right now if it's going to be a positive or a negative, but I'm going to be watching the Chicago Wolves extremely closely to see if their move to be independent is either positive or negative. We're going to talk a little bit more in depth with that here very shortly now that we've addressed some quick questions here. It's time to turn the show over for a little bit to each one of us individually. We're going to have a special time in the show where, you know, we can talk about an issue close to, to, to our hearts, uh, you know, basically whatever everyone wants to talk about. So 
I'm going to turn this over to Corey and he's going to rewind time just a little bit for one last reminisce. You saw the hoodie. You see the Mike Vecchioni jersey in the background. You already know what I'm going to be talking about. We're going to be going back to July or to June 21st, June 22nd, if you were in the Giant Center like I was, um, and revisit Mike Vecchioni's Game 7 overtime Calder Cup winning goal. It's a mouthful, but it's the first time in AHL history that there's ever been a goal in sudden death overtime that has decided a Calder Cup. So, Dina, cue the clip. Gets around Abbott, chooses big frame, hooked up a little bit. Borgstrom pins through him. Henrik Borgstrom centers Vecchioni, rolled down low, bouncing around. Borgstrom after it, in front, they score! They score! Mike Vecchioni! The Bears have done it! They are Calder Cup champions! The Hershey Bears for the 12th time in franchise history! It's sweeter by the Dutton. Oh, man. No, I know that call by heart. I've seen it a million times, and I still get goosebumps every time I see it. But I don't know there's a way to top it. We're going to get into it a little bit with our interview uh, later on with our special guest. But um, I just wanted to revisit this because, like, it was such a crazy run to this to get to that point. The newest team versus the oldest team in the AHL, you know, continuously operating, that is. Um, just what more can you say? It was always going to be Vex in Game 7. I mean, it's just awesome. And that call is now immortalized inside the Giants Center. They did a whole lot of work here um, to get ready for the season. This is from um, when I was there on Friday at the preseason game. Zach Fish's call of Sweeter by the Dozen is now immortalized in the Giants Center. And that wasn't all. They even had another great picture that I posted to social media that was really awesome to see. They put a great big mural on the inside of the the concourse wall that just looks fantastic. And that was just there, just added over the summer here. Most of that, this whole edition here is brand new. It used to not be colored at all there. But great to see this team getting immortalized and recognized in a way that I don't think any other Bears team in their 86 year history has. And guys, I'm just, sometimes I still have to pinch myself. I don't believe it. I don't think it's going to be real until the banner goes up on Saturday. I'm not even a bears fan. And I got chills. Listen to that. Isn't that such a good call though? It, it's gold. That, that's all I got to say. It's gold. I, I always try to picture like, what would it be like if I was calling in that? And like, I would flub it so hard. Like, I don't know how Zach was able to get sentences out there. Like Fish I, has a way with his words. What can I say? He he is a great guy, man. He is able to just go and like you know. He, even he was at a loss for words during parts of that celebration, but he kept it together better than I ever could dream of. I think I blacked out for the majority of of that <laughs> watching that live. You know, as I think just about everybody did. But um, it's such a great call. You know, a great goal. You know, underrated guy like Henrik Borgstrom kind of making that whole play happen. Just some great puck control there. I mean, you know, there's times when I play hockey that, you know, you feel a little hopeless when you're just maneuvering around the boards with the puck there. But he knew exactly what he was going to do. And, you know, Mike Vecchioni burying it, doing the roar celebration, you know, is just totally perfect. And I'm so excited to get to uh, see the banner go up on this Saturday. It's going to be awesome. That'll definitely be something we'll have to show a clip on in next week's episode. But we're going to move on to something I alluded to a little bit earlier on in the show. And that is the Chicago Wolves becoming the first team in, gosh, I don't know how long the date escapes me now. But it's been a while that are truly independent in the sense that they do not have an NHL affiliate. So, Jay, off to you. Uh, yeah, I can actually answer that question. I just had it up and then I lost it. Um, it was, I believe, 1984 was the last time that there was an independent team in the AHL. And uh, I just think this is a really cool and interesting story because Chicago Wolves, obviously, they have been, they've had some very good teams. They've had some very bad teams. Uh, they were not as good, I think, as they wanted to be this season. Uh, they suffered a little bit from losing their most consistent goalie early in the season. Uh, they lost a couple of players to injury, uh, as did the parent team. 
uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. And uh, now they have decided that they're going to go. They're going to go with Solo, um, which I think is a really interesting choice. And I wanted to kind of highlight this because it talks a lot in. Um, there's a really great article on the Athletic that we'll put in the uh, show notes, um, and it talks about basically the Wolves, their their agreement lapsed with the Carolina Hurricanes. And when they thought about renewing it, uh, there's a really great quote from the GM of the Wolves. And he basically just talks about how they want to develop, but they also want to win. And they thought that the Hurricanes were more concerned with development than winning. So obviously, you know, bringing up uh, Piotr Kuchekov, they lost their starting goalie. He was a very good goalie. And I think that is where it kind of really started going downhill. And so it felt like a real kind of thought experiment on what is the AHL for? Because yes, it is a development league, but, and I'm sure as, you know, Hershey Bears fans can attest to, watching your team win rules. Watching your team lose sucks. Like, that's not like a big, like, deep statement or anything, but you want your team to win as often as you can, you know? And so it's, 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 it's a really fine line to walk and i guess the wolves have decided that they didn't want to walk the line uh on the side of development they they wanted to win which i completely understand they've had a lot of success in in recent years and i uh i don't know i think it's a really interesting way to invite to have a team in a you know a quote-unquote development league that won't be developing so they've got a lot of guys that are you know AHL veterans or NHL veterans that were, you know, bubble guys or tweeners or whatever you want to call them. Um, and they're going to be building something from scratch. And if I'm a, if I was a Wolves fan, I'd be super excited by this. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily what the league wants. Um, and we'll actually get into that in a little bit in, uh, in our interview with, with Scott Housen, um, the president of the AHL. But when I found about it, when I heard about it, I was hyped because it's like you said, it's been, Almost 40 years since they had an independent team. Sorry, Dina, to make you feel <laughs> to make you feel a little bit I old. I said now, in our but, chat, um, like 1984, that's when I was born. Holy. If, if it makes you feel any better, <laughs> Dina was 1994, not oh, 1984. I just looked it up. So I'm even older than that. Great. So, okay. finish, so am I. Um, uh, sorry, I, it, I make, uh, you feel, make you feel worse. <laughs> I think, it's, I think it's a really fun and interesting story, and I'm excited to see what happens as we kind of go further into the season and look at kind of they don't have to lose anyone to call ups. They don't have to, you know, scramble when the, you know, not looking at any team in particular, but if a certain team is making an NH- breaking an NHL record in man games lost and also their AHL team is losing players to injury. Uh, they don't have to. They don't have to deal with that. They basically just have to kind of focus on themselves. It's not going to be, you know, the Cleveland Monsters of last year. Oops, I said it. Um, that you did know, lost basically <laughs> everyone in Literally. their top six forward core and their top four defensemen because everyone on the Blue Jackets died. Um, so <laughs> Jeez, not, shots not are getting fired all over. Every the place. single player was injured last season. Uh-huh. Uh, they used, I think, forty-eight players last season did the blue jackets so we'll also have to worry about that uh and i think it's going to be a really interesting experiment of they don't have anything to build on but they also won't lose anything to outside of their control isn't that like the only silver lining here because it was fascinating to watch them deal with the veteran rule all summer long as they were adding to their lineup but looking at their roster so they've got keith kincaid uh, from the New Jersey Devils. I believe he's been loaned to them, uh, but they've got a lot of guys that are like AHL veterans. So like Rocco Grimaldi is going to be on this team. I think that's a really exciting name uh, in terms of veteran leadership, but they've also got some young guys as well. Uh, Connor McLennan is only 21. Uh, Kirill Tutiev, excuse me, is only 23. So it's going to be a really interesting mix of veterans and um, young guys. Uh, Austin Strand is another really exciting name, I think, uh, as, as someone who's going to log big, big minutes for this Wolves team. Didn't they get Corey? Corey? I was about to say, I is think... Corey Conacher was still with them? Uh, yes. Yes, he is. That's another big name I saw with them. Mm-hmm. And Huge. Not, and then Chris Terry, too. That Another under-the-radar guy I've, I see. 
is with Thunder yes, Stadium. exactly, and it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting because, like like I said, they haven't really got anything to build on, so it's just all guys that probably this is either their first year with with the Wolves or it's their last year in the AHL, and they're like, oh, okay, I didn't get a contract with my longtime team or whoever, I'm gonna just go and hang out at the Wolves because they need bodies. So, um, well, I think we're gonna move on now. Uh, and, and talk about this with someone else, but I just wanted to kind of bring this bring this up as a really fascinating dichotomy between what is an AHL team for. And Jay is one hundred percent right. But before we move on to welcome our special guest, AHL president and CEO Scott Hausen, I have some more to share with you about our show sponsor, Document Doctors. Is your business growing beyond the four walls of your office? As businesses grow, so do the challenges of keeping people trained, safe, and supported. Document Doctors, a proud sponsor of the Calder's Calling podcast and AHL News Now, offers affordable solutions to help optimize your business and keep the good times rolling. They offer content-focused solutions such as training document creation, back office process optimization, policy and procedure development, and much, much more. Support the podcast and AHL News Now by visiting them at documentdoctorsllc.com. And don't forget to mention us when talking to their fantastic team of contentologists. Shop and support small businesses today. When it comes to the American Hockey League, there are not many figures more prominent than our guest, the President and Chief Executive Officer of the AHL, Scott Housen. On February 14th, 2020, he was unanimously elected as the 10th President in American Hockey League history, taking over for David Andrews in the 2020-21 season as Andrews transitioned to the role of Chairman of the Board of Governors. Prior to that, Housen spent 26 years as an executive within the National Hockey League's Edmonton Oilers and Columbus Blue Jackets with a lot of wide-ranging responsibilities from hockey ops, administration, player development, salary cap compliance, scouting, evaluation, and business operations. When he was in charge or working with the AHL clubs, his clubs reached the Calder Cup Finals in 97 and 2003. And as a member of the AHL Board of Governors, he served on the league's competition committee from 1996 to 2002. And then again on the executive committee from 03 to 07. All of that on top of his years as a player, well-versed obviously in the world of hockey and the American Hockey League. And now we welcome him to the Calder's Calling show. Scott Hausen, thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And Corey actually has some questions for you regarding last season to kick this off. Yeah, Scott, thanks for joining us. Um, I guess we're taking a look back before we take a look forward here a little bit, but what were some of your personal highlights from the 2022-23 season? Well, I think it has to start with Coachella Valley and what they've brought to our league. Uh, just a smashing success, um, you know, for a first-year franchise to to have so many uh, categories which they are at or near the top of our league, whether it's attendance, corporate sponsorship, and then uh, and then to go all the way to the Calder Cup Finals. I think they played uh, every home game they possibly could, except for maybe one. Um, so, uh, so that, that was just a, a real big success. I think you can't look back on last year, uh, without, uh, being just elated with how the Calder cup finals went and how the whole Calder cup went, uh, Calder cup playoffs for us to go to a game seven to be the, really the last, I think the last hockey league playing, uh, to go to a game seven, uh, to go to overtime in a game seven, uh, was just a phenomenal ending, a beat. You know, and, and, and you couple that with our oldest franchise, the Hershey Bears, and our newest franchise, the Coachella Valley Firebirds, uh, that have really, really strong followings in their markets, uh, what was a highlight for sure. And then also, I, 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 I have to mention the, the work the league did uh, in terms of um, generating revenue. Our teams did in, in terms of attendance. We had uh, record-breaking years in terms of league revenue and uh, and ticket revenue and sponsorship revenue. So those are all building blocks for us to build on in, in the upcoming year. Yeah, and just kind of piggybacking off of um, what you were saying there earlier, 
Calder Cup Finals, Game 7 in overtime. I know you were there. What was it like, and how on earth can we possibly top that? I'm not sure, but I know that uh, sports always finds a way to top things. But that was that was just a tremendous atmosphere. Um, I, you know, I, I I worked with Todd Nelson in my days with the Oilers, and I know how great a coach he was and is. And uh, and for his team to come back like they did when we walked out of Coachella Valley after Game Two, Haley Moore, our Vice President of Hockey Ops, and I said, "Wow, I don't, I'm not sure Hershey's going to win a game here." And uh, that th- was that one sided in the first two games, and and uh, and you know they just they just wouldn't go away, and they won some close games in Hershey, and uh, and then they won the uh, ultimate game uh, coming back from two nothing, if my memory serves me correctly. So they they really got off the mat, and uh, and and for the league to to experience that, for for us to have that, uh, you know, all the the crowds were just tremendous in both in both arenas. It was sold out every night. And, and a great atmosphere, and and then to go to Game Seven, you just you can't write it down much better. I want to talk a little bit about the AHL kind of as a whole because I feel like a lot of people look at it as oh, it's just the little brother of the NHL. Is there anything that you think that the AHL does better than any other, like better than the NHL, but better than any other league? I think our teams are 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 really invested in their communities. Um, and really uh, provide uh, uh, community entertainment, community involvement, making their places a better place to live. I think you can probably do that a little bit easier in some of the smaller communities that we're in. And, uh, and they're just really part of the fabric. I think of Hershey, and they're, they're just such part of the fabric of, of, uh, of that area, of Hershey and, and that area. So I think we do that uh, very, very well. And then the other thing we do, exceptionally well and it's one of our brand pillars is development we develop people uh we develop players we but people it doesn't end with players we develop coaches uh there's i think last year there were 21 nhl head coaches that were previous head coaches in the ahl um uh you know a a great stat for me i think and I, i may be off by one or two but i think 29 of the uh, 32 NHL teams were led in wins, goalie wins by former AHL goalies. We all know goalies take a little longer to develop. Um, but we develop people, and, we, and it's not just players. It's coaches. All the officials, I think except for one, have come through the American Hockey League, and staff too. So those are the two things that I think you know we, we really do well. We invest in our communities. We make our communities a better place to live and uh, by providing affordable entertainment and contributing to communities, and we develop. I'm glad you mentioned officials because I'm actually going to turn the talk to officiating just a little bit, but I just wanted to talk about one official in particular. Last season, we saw the retirement of longtime AHL official Terry Koharski. I mean, for over 40 years, he called 11 Calder Cup finals, two All-Star Classics, the final game at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, and then the first at Akershire Arena for the Firebirds among obviously many others. What do officials like him mean to the league and what about him specifically? Well, those types of people mean everything to the league. I mean, they're, they're, they're the people that built this league and make it run and make it go uh, efficiently and properly. Um, And we, I have great admiration for them and I have great gratitude for people like that, 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 you know, Terry's, Terry's more in the forefront and you you can't miss him some nights. Um, You know, he likes, he likes to be the center of attention at times, but I think all referees do at times. Uh, but there's a lot of people in our league like that that are behind the scenes that just make make the league work. Um, I'm very fond of Terry. We're, we're continuing to use him in a supervisor role. And I guess the biggest statement I can make is when we had his retirement game um, here in Springfield, the amount of uh, ex-officials, uh, current officials that showed up here and we had we had a wonderful night, and there was so much emotion in the building, and, and we all gathered on the ice after the game. And it was it was it was. I said to Haley afterwards, I said that this is what the American League's about. This is this is why we do this stuff. And and to see that outpouring of support for him uh, just spoke volumes. And it was it was one of my finest nights in the AHL for sure. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about kind of one team in particular. And obviously, you know, we talk about development toward being a, a step towards the NHL, but the NHL is going to have an independent team 
this season with the Chicago Wolves. Uh, if they're a success, would you look at kind of maybe adding more independent AHL teams? Is that something that you're kind of looking towards or? Uh, no, I think I think my my goal is to find a solution to this situation. We're, we're at 32-32 for a reason. Um, the NHL is a big part of what we do here in the American Hockey League. We're owned, 21 of our teams are owned by NHL teams. And our goal throughout this is to find a solution so that we uh, find a solution for Carolina because right now they don't have a place to put their players. I know they're going to uh, leave some in Europe and they'll have some placeholders in the AHL this year, uh, probably have to put more players in the ECHL than they than they had hoped for. Um, but no, I, I, I don't see us going in that direction at all. My, my goal is to find uh, a solution to the Chicago-Carolina situation so that Chicago has an NHL affiliate and Carolina has a place to put their players. So that's kind of your your goal for the next couple of se- like ideally next season is bringing it back so there is one NHL team for every AHL team. That's my goal uh, starting uh, about two months ago, and it, <laughs> it, it will be content, continue to be my goal until we find a solution. And we're working very hard. At, all parties are working hard at finding a solution, and uh, and we'll just have to keep at it. You talked a little bit about one of the primary goals is developing players, people, um, just across the board of hockey, just developing. Um, but how does AHL leadership walk the balance of being a developmental league for the NHL, but also being a unique league, all just being a truly unique league in and of itself? Yeah, well, we are we are independent of the NHL. We operate with our own constitution, with our own rules. And uh, and obviously we take direction and, and the line gets a little more blurry as we've had more NHL owned teams. But as uh, as far as us, as the AHL and the NHL, I mean, I, I get uh, lots of support from the NHL head office, particularly Bill Daly and lots of guidance and direction. But we operate independently. We're going to do what's best. Uh, what's in the best. My job is to do what's in the best interests of the AHL. Um, and it just so happens that, you know, we have this brand, you know, this pillar, this thing we hang our hat on of development. And 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 that's, you know, I guess I'd say to you that that's why we exist sort of right now is 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 to develop players for the NHL. And that's our model. But that hasn't always been the model. I mean, this league started out as an independent league and and we all know that over time things fluctuate. But right now. Uh, that's our modus operandi that we are we are in the development mode and 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 it works it's working um uh dave andrews made a decision a long time ago to to uh focus on develop when there was a competitor in, in the ihl and we we put in some rules in place that would enhance development and uh that's why we're here where we are today and then one final question from myself. I know a lot of fans were talking about this back in the playoff, the travel restrictions for playoff games. Now, given the increased visibility of the league, are there any plans to maybe relax that or make any changes to that possibly in future seasons? Well, I don't. all I can speak to, our playoff plan gets approved every year. So it's a year-by-year basis and – and there are no no changes coming up this year, so you'll still see still see the same. We've got some some different types of series. I know in the Pacific Division, um, the second place team in the preliminary round gets to host all the games, and that was intentional. It was, that had nothing to do with travel, and, and had everything to do with if seven teams are making the playoffs, and and the second place team um, uh, should have an advantage and a big advantage, so they get three home games. Um, I don't know what the future holds. Uh, I can tell you there's there there would not be a lot of appetite to try and increase travel and increase travel costs at this point in the playoffs. I understand the uh, the drawbacks to that and how it can look at sometimes, but uh, but it's really only a factor in the first first round, and then and then it's you know you may not like two three two or two three, but um, it, it makes sense for us. And Corey is going to wrap this up for us with one final question. Yeah, it was just one that kind of came to mind. You know, the NHL recently went to Australia for a couple of preseason games. You know, they they tend to do some of those kinds of unusual events. If you had, you know, 
the sky was the limit type of thing? What would be like a dream kind of event, you know, something incredibly unique that the AHL could do, you know, in your mind? Like what would be the, the best possible solution if you had to think of something like that? I think you'd look to Europe and uh, and 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 maybe, you know, we have a lot of European players in our league and it'd be a thrill for them to play over there. Uh, you know, it's it's fairly cost prohibitive and and. I'm not sure we could generate the interest um, over there that the NHL does. Obviously, uh, we would not be able to generate that interest. But um, you know, we've had we've had teams go to the Spengler Cup, um, and and we've talked about that in the future. Maybe a, a team uh, wants to go to the Spengler Cup, or we put you know a couple of uh, you know an All Star team together. We, we you know those are things we've talked about, um, but uh, nothing nothing concrete. And in fact. We had talked about going to the Spengler Cup this year, but they they were all full. They couldn't take us. So um, um, we had a number of teams that expressed interest, and in, you know it'd be a it's a great it's a great thing for your players to experience is to go over there and play in that tournament. It's sold out. It's so much. Anybody that's gone to the Spengler Cup just raves about it, and it'd be a great bonding experience. It'd be something to offer your team that uh, and your players that would be uh, you know a lifetime memory. I think that's going to be a storyline I personally am going to be keeping a close eye on over the next few years. But, Scott, do you have any uh, message or anything that you would like to share with American Hockey League fans before the season starts here? Just gratitude and thank you. We're, we, we've come out of this. I know a lot of sports leagues have come out of the pandemic very well, but we've come out really strong. And to generate the, the, the interest and, uh, that our teams are generating in their markets – um, I couldn't I couldn't have dreamed of the type of year we had, you know, both on the ice and off the ice. So we're grateful. We want to do our part. We want to make your places, uh, like I said, a better place to live and give you affordable family entertainment. And I, I hope we continue to do that. Well, Scott, once again, thank you so much for taking your time and joining us here in the final days prior to Puck Drop on the 2023-24 season. Thank you. Looking forward to the season. All right. So once again, we want to thank Scott Housen for taking time out of his very busy schedule leading up to the start of the season to take 20 minutes or so with us to talk about some very important uh, things happening around the the American Hockey League. And I'm kind of going to talk about that a little bit in my segment, too. You know, he talked about uh, these teams being so important to their communities and really reflecting um, their fan base and doing better for the cities in which the the league has a team. It's no secret that uh, there has been a huge upheaval in the National Hockey League when it comes to specialty jerseys, pride jerseys, even hockey fights cancer. Like all of that is gone now. Um, you know, and e- even then, it was just warm-ups. One thing I truly and have always appreciated about the AHL is that, well, first of all, they're not following suit with that. Um, but also, whenever there's a specialty jersey in the American Hockey League, it's not just for warm-ups. That is the jersey for the game. And it's just one of the many, many, many reasons I feel like this is truly a league for the fans and the communities that they are in. And honestly, I mean, if you're watching us on YouTube, you're going to see a few examples here. I mean, we have fun jerseys like the Springfield Isotopes. These are one of my favorites in terms of fun specialty jerseys. Then we have, you know, we'll take it back up to Cleveland. I always loved these uh, Nickelodeon-themed jerseys with the splat uh, slime on there. But also, we need to turn to the issue-focused jerseys. Here's an example from um, back in 2019 where the Manitoba Moose rocked autism awareness jerseys. I mean, not only was this a critical game, so there were a lot of eyes on them, but these jerseys, they get auctioned off to, you know, of course, the highest bidder. And then those proceeds go back into the community, really helping people out that truly need these fundraising money. And then, of course, one of 
my favorite pride jerseys that I've ever seen were Coachella Valley's for this past season. But we're not going to get that in the NHL anymore. And I'm just so happy that the AHL is allowing their teams to continue this tradition and to continue giving back to the communities and bringing light to a lot of different issues um, through specialty jerseys and through theme nights. So that's my take on it. But I wanted to open up the floor and let you guys kind of share your thoughts on that as well. Uh, I mean, I'll speak on it uh, briefly in that I, as, as a member of the LGBTQ community, it sucks that they are not doing Pride jerseys anymore. They're not doing Pride tape anymore in the NHL. That kind of came out uh, today as of the time of recording this. And it's basically, it's just a really poor way of doing it, I think. Um, they like to say that hockey is for everyone. It's not. Um, and that's the thing that's most disappointing here. So I really appreciate that the AHL does these pride jerseys. Um, they do, you know, uh, black history jerseys, autism awareness, like the one that you just showed. Um, they do women's hockey uh, appreciation nights and everything. And it's just not only a way to show the community that they are welcome and to include marginalized communities. It puts money in the hands of those marginalized communities. They auction off the jerseys. They auction off the game used sticks with the pride tape on. And I think that's what's really disappointing here is that it's supposed to be a charity event that they've decided, actually, we don't want to support these charities anymore. So it's really, really great to consistently see uh, the AHL support these marginalized communities and also design some really rad jerseys at the same time. So, so not, I'm going off that. Not only is it like, yes, I love the jerseys. They're great. I agree that it's great for the communities, shows that hockey is for everyone. I agree with you on that one, Jay. That That's very huge too. But what the message that the NHL is sending to me is that it's, it's a business and that's all there is to it. And they're going to take the money from the people that they agree with, the people that they care, that they, and they're going to claim that they care about everyone when in reality, they really don't. They don't really want to show the entire community that is coming to the hockey games. They have those community. They have. They'll have people going to commu- hockey games that maybe fit into the communities that maybe are part of the LGBTQ community, or they'll even on the other side of the spectrum too. The veterans games, like all the military appreciation jerseys, maybe they want to be honored at the same time as well. But those are gone as well, and it's all, to me, it's almost seeming like a political stunt in some ways now, too, when they say it was before by wearing them in the first place, which, to me, just makes the NHL look extremely hypocritical and makes the AHL look like a league of the people, and that's exactly what this league is all about, and not only is it for the development of the players, but for the development of the people. And that's one of the things that I love about the AHL as opposed to the NHL. It's not a business. It's an experience. I think that Scott Housen and Dina earlier really hit it on the head is that it's, you know, he, it kind of ties in with what Scott said about, you know, tying in, you know, being closer knit to the communities. You guys kind of touched on that a little bit, but Dean also said about it being fun too. You know, like there's a lot of, there's, there's an element of that. I think that maybe goes a little bit missing in what the NHL did. Like it, it, to me, I feel like, you know, you see these kind of more off the wall types of things like the Nickelodeon slime one is a cool one. I think, you know, just have some fun with it. It's one of those things like, you know, I would know with the bears, you know, the Bears have this very long-running tradition. It's actually an initiative they have called the Hershey Bears Cares um, initiative, where you know all the pro, you know a chunk of the proceeds from the jersey auctions, which always do extremely well. I'm always priced out every single time if I even think about <laughs> wanting to get an auction jersey. I sit and watch. I don't even think about participating because those those things rack up into the the four figures very fast. But um, you know, it's one of those things where I think it's it goes to show that the AHL is in a unique position of being able to be in touch with their communities, right? Like, whereas with the NHL, it you know they're in a tricky spot of you know being you know just larger than life figures. The AHL's you know it's it's very tied in. You know, the, they always say that Hershey you know is a major league franchise in a minor league town type of thing. You know, it's just it's those things where it's just you know 
every team is just unique in that ability to connect with this, their own local thing. And I think the AHL kills it in that regard. They crush it. They do such a good job with that, you know, just in a way that I don't think the NHL really can. So I, I would love to see it. If it were to come back, I think it, it'd be nice to have it be a little bit more lighthearted like the AHL tends to lean into with the, uh, the isotopes and, you know, some of those great ideas. So I really like seeing that. I mean, it's it's also a lot like minor league baseball too. If you think about it, like teams will change their name for the night. Like the Springfield Thunderbirds will become the Springfield Isotopes, and or like for example, as a Red Sox fan, the Salem Red Sox become the Salem San Bernardinos or something like that. And it's just makes things fun for all cultures too. You all had some. Wonderful points. I'm glad you brought some of those up because you expressed it much more eloquently that than I could. But we have one more segment to go, and that is Xander. And we're going to be talking, I think, goaltending here, right? Yes, I am, as evidenced by the brick wall behind me. Um, I did that on purpose for tonight. I will be using a different background next week, as I'll have a different point next week. Nice. But this week, I think goaltending is going to be key this season. Every every coach will use a cliche, defense wins championships. Instead, you know what, to me, I think goaltending is going to be what wins the championships this year. There's a lot of teams that have a lot of depth at the forward position, a lot of depth at the defensive position, but at any point, any of those guys could get called up to the NHL. They could say, all right, it's your time, go on up. But not often will you hear them calling the goalies into the office and saying, hey, you're going up to the show. So you're going to have to have the goalies are going to have to be on their game every single game. And whereas the guys in the NHL could get hurt and be replaced, they're dispensable, in my opinion. The forwards can be interchanged, whereas the goalies, you have to be good every single game in order to be onto it. I mean, to be with it, I guess. I don't know how else to put it. So, as Jay alluded to earlier, the whole injury issue with the monsters and the jackets and things, that's this part of me talking. I agree with you, but I will say that depth goaltending is going to be even more important because sometimes the number one in the AHL does get called up. So I'm just going to say asterisk depth goaltending. But yes, goaltending, uh, the game is getting faster and more skilled. The goaltenders are more important now than ever. That jersey back there probably should be a Hunter Shepard jersey because without Hunter Shepard, that championship, that goal we looked at earlier, does not happen because of that incredible save on a shorthanded breakaway he made to keep it at 2 nothing. So I agree. Goaltending is huge. I mean, how many times do the goaltenders get named MVP of the playoffs? You know, you just don't go anywhere without a strong goaltender. I mean... Sure, even the most high-scoring teams, their faults, if their goalie can't stop anything, you know, if you have to score 10 goals because you're allowing nine, it's not going to work in the AHL. So to your point, I think that it's it's so important to have your goaltending situation sorted. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm biased because I am a goalie in, in my beer league team. Uh, I have always liked goalies. Uh, and I think, yeah, the, the defense runs through the goalie. You know, they say it all the time. Your best penalty killer has to be your goalie. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting this season because there are a lot of good goalies that we thought were maybe going to be in the NHL that are actually going to be in the NHL. I'm thinking of Pierre Kachekov. I'm thinking of uh, Piotr, excuse me. Uh, I'm thinking of Dustin Wolf. Uh, I'm thinking of um, a bunch of other guys whose names I have completely blanked on. But it's going to be really, really interesting in terms of goaltending, I think. And like... Good goaltending can make a, a bad team look way better than they are, and it can sink a good team. Uh, bad goaltending can sink a good team. So I, I completely agree. I think goaltending wins championships, and uh, I think it's going to be... I'm going to be really excited to see which goalie just randomly like goes on a hot streak 
this season because there's always one that like comes out of nowhere and is like I'm just going to win 10 games in a row and allow like eight goals over that stretch so I'm really excited to see which goalie is going to go on a hot streak this season all I can say is the North needs to watch out for the crunch as long as Pyotr mm-hmm. Kachekov is there because oh my goodness first of all those fans are going to have a ton of fun just watching him because he is such a huge personality he's but... he's unhinged he's insane i love kachekov i think he's the most fun goalie <laughs> he... in the league like oh i think I... it adds to it that he doesn't speak very much english too mm-hmm. true true but he's he's so good and when i saw that announcement today i first of all i just kind of slumped my shoulders i'm like out of there's four divisions and he had to go to the north <laughs> no <laughs> well but, i'm just happy he's not in the atlantic for my for my sake and Corey's sake fair point he could have he reminds me a good bit of vtech vanacek almost as that was that was how he was when he was coming up in hershey he was just didn't speak a lot of english but when he get named first star and they give him the microphone it didn't matter what he said it was always you know everybody loved it so it reminds it me a little bit of him in some ways. A little bit of jumbled English, but he's he said what he needed to say. It may have been four words, but it was <laughs> four good words. You know, we won the game. There, yeah. They could have sent him to the central, is all I'm saying. But that's gonna be it for Calder's calling this week. If you would like to check out our written coverage of the American Hockey League, please check us out at ahlnewsnow.com and you can follow us over on x twitter whatever at ahlnewsnow also please subscribe rate our podcast share it with all of your friends and we'd like to extend a final thank you to our sponsor document doctors until next week enjoy the beginning of the 2023-24 ahl season and we'll see you next time Thank you.